for the last ten and a half months, up to this point, it's a bittersweet night to me, for the last ten and a half months we have spent our time every Wednesday night that we have been in the church. We have spent our time in the book of Genesis studying the life of Joseph. And uh, this will be the 29th message on the life of Joseph. From Genesis chapter number 30 to Genesis chapter number 37 to Genesis chapter number 38, 39, 40, and all the way here we are in Genesis chapter number 50. And um, I entitled this, of course, The Life of Joseph um, because that's what it entails. It entails the life of Joseph and uh, but we have seemingly seen every high in his life. We've seen every low in his life. We've seen every mountain in his life. And we've seen every valley. And uh, through that, we have also learned a lot and actually preached through the life of Jacob. And we learned about Jacob, of course, his father, through all of that. And we also learned about his 12 breth- 11 brethren. And uh, can anybody say their names? In, uh, not in order, but can anybody say all their names? Can anybody you think you can? Anybody? Well, we got, we got, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's, it's very clear. All you got to think about, remember, just think about Genesis chapter 49, and you'll find that there's Reuben, and there's Le- Simeon, and there's Levi, and there's Judah, there's Zebulun, there's Issachar, there is Dan, there is Asher, there is one more in there that I'm forgetting too. And then there is Nephtalim, and then there is Joseph, and then there is Benjamin. Did anyone, Gad, Gad was between uh, Asher and um, um, Nephtalim. And uh, those brethren, we learned about them. The only one we didn't learn about is Dinah. I don't know why the Bible has nothing to say about Dinah, um, this own sister. And that's a question that you'll have to ask the Lord one day, I guess. But uh, I'm not him, and I don't have the answer, so don't ask me. Amen. So Genesis chapter number 50 tonight, and also I want you to, um, we're going to try to do this tonight. I don't know if the Lord will allow us, but I think he will. Um, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. So um, we'll, we'll put your finger at Genesis 50, and then turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read that text first, and... Uh, You can stand if you'd like to, and we'll reverence the Word of God together. Hebrews chapter number 11. Um, We we have been going through a series entitled By Faith, and we took a pause on that, of course. And... but if the Lord would allow me to, so, so we did cover most the life of Jacob. Is that right? And so since we covered most the life of Jacob, and it tells us he blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship leaning upon the top of his staff. So, so Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that, and we did not preach on that in the By Faith series. We did not. But we covered that in this, in this series. And so I'm not going to go back to that. Only one we had not covered is Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau. We covered a little bit of that in here and there, but I'm not going to go back to that. And so since this series, Lord willing, is over this evening, we will. I'm going to preach by faith Joseph. And also, I'm going to, so I'm going to cover that. We're not going to put it that. It's not the title. But I'm going to preach the by faith Joseph part, 
and I'm also going to preach the Genesis series or Joseph series. And then when we go back to the By Faith series, we will be on Moses in chat in verse 23. And so I don't. There's no need in me preaching in Genesis chapter 50 and then preaching in uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 because I'm going to cover that. So there's no need in preaching it twice. Is what I'm saying. So let's read Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 22, and then we'll flip over to Genesis and find our verses there. I'm going to pray first, if I could. Lord, help tonight. We pray, God, you'd bless the reading of your word. We pray, God, that you'd bless um, the service tonight. And pray, God, you bless the preaching. And, Lord, help me in every way, Lord, to be uh, mindful. And, Lord, to just be obedient to you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 22. The Bible says, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment, concerning his bones. Let's see what the Genesis account says. Genesis chapter number 50, and we'll read in verse number 23, where we left off last week. The Bible says, And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machar, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. Now, just a quick time out. I know you're standing, and I appreciate you. Um, there it says Joseph saw Ephraim. So Ephraim was obviously Joseph's son. Is that correct? We agree on that. Children of the third generation. And then the children also of Machar, the son of Manasseh. We know J- Joseph had a son by the name of Manasseh. But that is not who this is talking about. Um, also, Ephraim had a boy by the name of Manasseh. And so you see three generations here from Ephraim to Machar, which is the great-grandson of Joseph. And then there is Manasseh, which is the great-great-grandson of, uh, of Joseph. So, so we're seeing that there. Um, we're brought up on Joseph's knees. So third generations from Joseph. There we go. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So his grandfather and his father is mentioned there, and his uncle. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. We just heard that. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated tonight. I appreciate you. As we've studied through the majority of the book of Genesis, we have learned much about the book. And one thing I find incredible is this book begins with the very life of God being eternal life. So everything that was created in the Genesis chapter 1 account, the Genesis chapter 2 account, uh, were created with the life of God. Everybody with me so far? And what I mean by that is they had a beginning which God did not, but they did not have an ending. Well, he said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens had no ending at that time. Now we understand there will be a new heaven and a new earth because of sin. And then there is going to be on and on. We could go through the trees. We could go through all that. Everything was perfectly created in the image of God in that day when it comes to Adam and of course Adam uh, Adam went through and named all the animals and you know all of that and so it was created with an eternal eternal life uh, the very life of God uh, and um, then this the book of Genesis ends in death 
So it begins with the very life of God and it ends in death. Isn't that ironic? I find it incredible that it does that. And one thing about that is that we see that that is what sin does. Sin kills, it steals, and it destroys. It's just what it does. It's the very essence of Satan himself. As the Bible says, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. That's speaking of life now and here. And so, so the book of Genesis is actually known as the book of the beginnings. And this is where the hermeneutical, as some of you may know, principle uh, original originates. We call that principle the first mentioned principle. The first mentioned principle and in that, in this book we find the very mention uh, of many of the things that we are familiar with in this life as we know it. Uh, for instance we find things like life. Uh, we know about life because Genesis tells us about eternal life. Uh, it tells us about life. Uh, we know also about death because of the book of Genesis. Right? And then, So it's the first mentioned principle. It was the type, first thing it was mentioned in the Bible. And then we know about sin in the book of Genesis. Everybody knows about the story of Adam and Eve and how Adam, uh, how Eve took of the forbidden fruit and then Adam took of it and they were deceived uh, in that point. Or he, she was deceived, excuse me. And then, then we know about marriage in that, right? We know about marriage from the book here uh, of Genesis. We know about childbirth uh, from the book of Genesis. Uh, I mean, uh, what, you got Sarah, you got Hagar, you got all those people through there in the book of Genesis, you got Noah's wife, you got all those people, and we know things like rain from the book of Genesis, right? Rain never became until Genesis chapter number 6 when Noah, we understand that Noah, or Genesis chapter number 7, we understand that Noah, that was the first time rain ever existed upon this earth. They had never seen it rain, they had never had any of that, it had only come from the ground up. That's just how it was, and God and Noah preached the message for a hundred years, it's going to rain, going to rain, going to rain. It's just as simple as that. Yet in all of that, it begins with creation, but this this this. This message, this, 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 this whole book of the Genesis is ending in a coffin. Begins in creation, and I'm trying to lay ground here and get in my preaching gear, but it ends in a coffin, and then I understand the time too. Um, but, but in this passage before us tonight, Joseph dies at the age of 110 years old. We see that in verse 26. He dies at the age of 110 years old. He has spent 93 years in Egypt. How do we know that? We know that when Joseph first went to Egypt, he was how old? Anybody remember on the top of their head? 17 years old. 93 years he has spent in Egypt. And there he was. At, and at this point, uh, um, he, he is, he's laying and he's dying. Uh, and he, he gives a commandment to his brethren uh, and that they are to not bury him in the land that he spent the majority of his life in. Uh, um, but they are to carry his body to Canaan where the Lord visits them uh, and brings them, when the Lord visits them and brings them out of the land of Egypt uh, and into that land. So instead of being buried like a Pharaoh, uh, he wanted to be buried at home. He wanted to go back home uh, and go back to Canaan's land uh, where the home of Israel will reside. And we understand that. Uh, and so there his coffin lay for nearly uh, 350 to 400 years uh, uh, as a silent testimony to the people of Israel simply stating to them, hey, we're not home yet. 
we're not home yet. We're not home yet. And so tonight I believe this could speak to us uh, as well. And so I'm going to preach not on the creation of Genesis, uh, but the coffin uh, in Genesis. And my, 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 I'm going to preach on this thought tonight. Will your coffin speak this loud? Uh, will your coffin uh, speak this loud? I, I went through many titles in my mind. Will your life speak this loud? Uh, will all that. But we're not speaking on a life right now. We are, but we aren't. Uh, we're speaking on a death. We're speaking on coffin. And so I want you to notice with me four points. I'll be done quickly. I want you to notice number one with me tonight. His coffin speaks uh, of a death. Simple. It's going to be simple tonight. His coffin speaks uh, of a death. Verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. Among the dying words of Joseph are words of his own death. Uh, he knows that he's going to die. And after he does, uh, and his body will be placed inside of a coffin, as we've just read. Uh, and it speaks very loud, and it speaks very clear uh, to all who see it, that they too will come to a place of death someday. Everybody, the Bible says, is appointed in a man wants to die. And after this is the judgment. That's what the Bible says. And so that, that is a message that we all need to hear today. Most likely, uh, none of us will live to 110 years old. You may. I pray you do. But is it likely? I don't know. Every funeral I've ever been to has spoken the same message. That death will come my way soon. The death will come my way. And so, so there are a few things we must keep in mind about this very fact here. And the, number one is this is a time of preparation to meet God. The time that we have right now is a time of preparation to meet God in eternity. And we must be ready to meet the Lord. And the second thing is the simple fact is that if you're going to serve the Lord, you better serve Him today. You better serve him today. And we know James, he's speaking in chapter 4. We know that he's speaking to his brethren. That's context of the whole book of James. But in chapter 4, he, he addresses the brethren many times. Meaning, the, the, writer, of he, the writer of James was, it was saved. And here he is, and he says, simple fact in verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. The Bible makes it clear that tomorrow is not always promised. So I tell you tonight, please do what you're going to do today. Stenet Blue, the old preacher man, said, Do what you can, why you can, so you don't wish you would have why you could have. I'm telling you the truth tonight. You better do what you can, why you can. Because one day, just as well as you and just as well as me, we'll be too old. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, I believe it is, tells us about the days of the elder life. I've seen it in my own dad. And just the days of the elder life, how your eyes will seem to fade and how... And I, I cannot just say this from experience, but I can tell you what the Bible says, okay? And your eyes seem to fade and your walk seems to be a little different and... And, and he says he looks outside and he just cannot see it as well. The sun begins to dim. And so different things along those lines. And so, so, but, but here we are at the end of the chapter and the end of the book, of the book of Genesis. And we find that this coffin 
speaks of death. Secondly, I want you to notice his coffin shouts a declaration. Now the Bible says, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land. Into the land which he swore to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And so in the dying breaths of Joseph, he wants his family to know the truth uh, of the promise that God had given them uh, and that God Himself will surely uh, visit the people of Israel uh, and He will deliver them from Egypt and take them to Canaan land. Amen. Amen. And so that is their blessed hope. And so throughout the years, that coffin was a reminder that there is hope uh, and that there is a promise for Israel. Uh, and, th- and this will, this will come to pass, he said. Uh, and Joseph said to his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you. It's a, decla- it's a, it's a, it's a declaration. It's, a, it's an absolute. It's something that will come to pass. Uh, and here he is. And, uh, and so, uh, so one sad thing, I believe, one sad thing uh, is a lot of people do not seem to think that they're going to die. A lot of people, they do not think to think about dying. You know, when we see the place where the bodies of those who have died are buried as in a gravesite, you know, it's nothing more than a reminder to us. Of course, it reminds us of death, but it also reminds us of life. You say, how can a graveyard remind us of life? Well, what you must understand, friend, is that death is not the end. Death is not the end. Uh, one glorious day, uh, the Lord will visit those graves uh, and bring those bodies to Himself. Remember what I told you a few weeks ago. It says, those, it says be not ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Remember, they're just sleeping. When you're sleeping, you're not dead. You're still breathing when you're sleeping. I'm not saying that they're breathing, okay? Understand that their bodily life is over. But their spiritual life has just begun. And I tell you is that one day Jesus will come back and He'll reunite the body with the soul. Isn't that right? But it won't be the same body. It'll be a different body. Somehow or another, which I know, I understand it because I've been saved. And if you have too, you should understand it. And the Bible illuminates itself to us often. And Jesus makes a new creature in us when we are born again. But my my soul is saved, but my flesh is not. But one day, He'll make a new creation out of my body. And it will be come together with a soul and we'll have a new body. I don't know how old you'll be. I don't know any of that. We cannot put it all in the same age group. I don't understand that. But I'll tell you the truth tonight is that one day we will resurrect. And I tell you is that um, I tell you is that th- that is the same reminder that the coffin uh, stood for Israel. It stood for as a reminder. It stood as a reminder that Joseph, uh, yes, sure, Joseph had died. Uh, uh, Joseph had died, and knowing, uh, but he died knowing that the Lord would visit them, and he died knowing uh, that the Lord would send them home, uh, send them to Canaan land. Uh, and by the way, Canaan land is just a type of heaven. It's not heaven. 
But I tell you is that uh, Joseph died that way. And when we overview his life and when we look, uh, we could pull out many things concerning his life of faith. Uh, he trusted God in the pit. Uh, he trusted God in Potiphar's house. Uh, he trusted God with Potiphar's wife. Uh, he trusted God in the prison. Uh, he trusted God as the prime minister. But I tell you the truth uh, is the biggest thing that God, uh, and that the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, that Hebrews writer wrote uh, was concerning his death. It didn't say nothing about the faith of Joseph at, at the pot, at the pit, and it did not say anything about the prison, and it did not say anything about the prime minister place. But it did say something about his death. And it said in that time, that's his biggest faith moment, uh, is there at the end of his life, uh, he told the children of Israel a promise uh, that God would surely visit them uh, and they uh, would be delivered from their place. Uh, they would be going to the promised land uh, that God had promised them. Uh, and I tell you, friend, we could, uh, we could pull many things out, but it wasn't a doubt. Uh, they, God was going to uh, visit them. Uh, it was a hundred percent in faith uh, in his dying breath uh, that God would get them. Isn't that a blessing? And one day, friend, they would be home. I tell you tonight, I, I would just like to remind you that we have something far better than a coffin full of dead bones. We have something far better than a coffin full of dead bones to remind us uh, of the heaven that's awaiting us. Uh, but friend, I tell you, what our hope is, is that there was a resurrection. Uh, and the grave is empty. Uh, the tomb is there. Uh, but Jesus is gone. Uh, and I tell you tonight, uh, is that is the hope for us. Uh, you see, Israel had the hope that they would one day uh, carry Joseph's bones to the promised land. Uh, but we have the hope uh, that our Savior has already conquered death. He's already won the fight. And He is preparing a place for us. And one day, He will return again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you under myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O hell, where is thy victory? He's done defeated it. He's defeated death. He's defeated hell. He's defeated the grave. And I do have to go there, my body does. But my soul will not spend a blessed moment in the grave. Friend, I tell you, when I die, my last breath here will be my first breath there. I tell you, like Billy Graham said one time, he said, if you look in the papers and it said, Reverend Billy, grandma's died. Uh, don't believe it. I've just begun to live. Uh, and that is the truth this evening. Uh, because when you die as a child of God uh, from this earth, uh, you will never spend a moment away from the Savior. Amen, Amen friend. Hallelujah. I, I tell you, one man said, if I go by the undertaker or by the upper taker, I'm a winner either way. Uh, and I am a winner either way. Uh, I say hallelujah. His coffin speaks of death. It shouts a declaration. Thirdly, his coffin shows us diligence. Now verse 24, the Bible says, of course we read that verse. Verse 25, and Joseph took an oath uh, of the children of Israel, saying, that is a promise by the way. That's an absolute fact. It is going to take place. Uh, an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. 
you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, been 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. If you have to take an oath, you two were in the military. You were in the military. You had to take an oath, right? What is it? Why do you have to take an oath? It's a pledge. That's right. You're going to do what they ask you to do. You're not going to go against the word. You're not going to go against any of that. So Joseph said, hey, I'm going to give you an oath. And I'm going to pledge to you that what I've just told you will come to pass. But, but, there is something in between that. Did you read anything about in those verses that we just read? Did you read anything about the children of Israel being forced into slavery? Did you read anything about the race across the Red Sea with, the child, with, the, with all of the, the, the Egyptians falling behind them? No. Did you read anything about the 40 years they spent in the wilderness? No. That's not what you read about. You never, it never said anything about that in verse 24, verse 25, or verse 26. Why is that? Well, because when Joseph died, Israel was in favor in Egypt. But the biggest part is, I believe, is none of that mattered. Because the simple fact was, they might have had to go through the Red Sea. That's a good thing. It's a type of Christ's blood, by the way. They may have had to go through the midst of the Red Sea, but God was going to provide for them there. They might have had to deal with slavery, but God was going to provide for them there. They might have had to wander through, they didn't have to, but may, they might have wandered through the wilderness, uh, but God was going to be with them there for all 40 years, every single day. I don't know how many it is, you can check it out, but 360 days times 40 is how many times God provided for them. Uh, he provided manna from heaven every single day. Uh, the Bible in the book of Psalms calls it angel food. Uh, he provided water from a rock, and guess what? They still weren't ungrateful. But I tell you, God still looked at it. uh, And just like I sent out on my devotions this morning, uh, it did not matter what they murmured about. It did not matter what they complained about. Uh, They sit there and said, Moses, you've brought us out here to starve. Uh, That's all you've done. We're getting three meals a day back there in Egypt. Uh, We might have been in slavery, but we were getting three meals a day. Uh, But every single day, uh, God still provided manna. Every single day. And the angels, you know it's angels' food, and I've said it before. uh, I bet you them angels will look over at God every single day, get in my mind, look over at God and say, God, you're still going to give it to them. They're just murmuring about you. They're saying, they're murmuring to the man of God about you that we should have never came here. I don't know why we're in the middle of the wilderness when there's plenty of food across the Red Sea. I don't know why we're here right now. And I bet you God will look at them angels and say, don't you worry about it. You throw out the food anyways. I'm not doing it because they're good to me. I'm doing it because I'm good. That's just who I am. And every single day, they had to be diligent. They had to learn patience in that every single day. They had to persevere. And I tell you the truth here is that um, there was still a coffin in Egypt. And it was still containing the bones of Joseph. And it continued to still speak loud words to the children of Israel. 
Every single day it continued uh, to preach and tell them uh, about what was coming to. uh, And I believe it showed them some diligence. Uh, I believe it showed them to be patient. Uh, I believe it was saying something about like this. uh, My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, uh, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. uh, For as much as you know as your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, I bet you it's saying something along the lines is uh, those that wait upon the Lord uh, shall mount upon wings like evils. Uh, they shall not faint uh, and I know I misquoted it but I'm telling you uh, I believe they were saying something hey uh, press on uh, press on victory's coming uh, I bet you they were saying something along uh, wait on the Lord uh, wait on the Lord Cain in the land is just in sight uh, and can I tell you tonight uh, as you and I live out uh, you know, week by week day by day hour by hour in this wicked world uh, we can look at it uh, and we are also waiting on a promise from the Lord uh, just as as they were uh, and how many of us uh, have entertained the thoughts of being raptured uh, and being delivered uh, this week because I know I have uh, and I probably most of us have uh, but we're still here uh, and until God comes uh, until the Lord looks down and says Sin, go get them now son until that day takes place uh, let me encourage you uh, to be diligent uh, be patient uh, to trust uh, to hope to wait upon the Lord and I tell you victory will be here soon enough and while you are waiting work serve rejoice worship the Lord every single day you know the Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall mount upon wings like eagles you know that verse Psalms, I mean, Isaiah chapter 40 and you know another verse over there in the book of Psalms where the Bible says be still know that I'm God while you're being still while you're waiting wait, don't, don't a waiter serve every restaurant you go to they serve you need if you're waiting upon the Lord you better serve him serve him friend wait and work and serve rejoice be a light for the light friend I tell you it will get harder but heaven will get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by be diligent until he comes brethren sister and whoever you are in here I tell you something tonight the Lord is coming soon Hear that new word I just made up? Amen. I tell you the truth here. His coffin speaks of death. It shouts a declaration. It shows his diligence. Last I'm done, his coffin speaks of a dwelling. Now the Bible says in verse 24, And bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry... Out up my bones from hence. We see in the dying words of Joseph, he wanted to give a reminder of the Lord's promise to give Abraham and his descendants the land of Canaan. Now, Genesis chapter 15, verse 16 tells us, But in the fourth generation thou shalt come hither again. Again. If you read the context of Genesis chapter 15, that's exactly where Abraham is. He's in the land of promise. And so, so in four generations, they will come again. Well, imagine that. Because last time, the fourth generation is going to come again. Last time I checked, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, and there's Judah. And the fourth generation is headed back to Canaan land. Isn't that amazing? 
how the Word of God is true. Isn't that just amazing? I'd hate to have a, a, a Word of God that I couldn't lean on, that I couldn't trust. Wouldn't you? I'd hate to have one like that, one that contradicts itself. You know, I'd hate that. We already went through most of the paradoxes in the Bible, and it definitely doesn't contradict itself. I'm telling you the truth here is that uh, they were looking there and Abraham uh, was in the land of promise and and the Lord is saying, hey, four generations later, they will make it. Uh, And even though neither they nor Joseph had ever owned that land, it was theirs uh, and they uh, were going there someday. You know, I own a plot in heaven. Uh, God has already given me that plot. Uh, But I tell you, is that they owned a small plot in Canaan's land. That's not in my notes, and it's free. Isn't that amazing? I just thought about that. They owned a small plot there. I don't know how big my plot is in heaven. I don't know how big my mansion is in heaven. I, don't, I know there ain't back roads in heaven. I, I, I don't care what the country zone tells you. There's one street in heaven. They ain't tw- ten. They ain't two. They ain't, there's one. Genesis, Revelation 21. But that coffin for all those years would make the simple statement to those children of Israel, hey, Canaan land is just over the ridge. It's just there. It's right there. And as we wait in this world for our Lord to come, let us always remember we are one day closer than we were yesterday. We're one day closer than we were yesterday. What a day. What a day that's going to be when my faith becomes sight. What a day that's going to be when I can actually see the one who died for me. I believe he's still going to have nails in it. I believe he's still going to have scars. I believe he's still going to have open wounds. Not just scars, but open wounds. I can show you that, but I'm not going to take the time. But I'll tell you one quick verse where the Bible says, For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we're healed. Well, my faith's going to be, if I'm trusting in the stripes and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ now, then, man, what's it going to be there? I'm telling you, friend, there's so many things that we can talk. We know that there was still, if the Lord is, is the healer, then why wouldn't he have healed the holes in his hand when Thomas doubted? Huh, I don't know. It was four days later. Everything else was healed. He had enough power to open the graves. Don't you think he'd have enough power to close his wounds? He's going to have enough power to open the graves again. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you tonight is that I believe we can trust in a God who's still the same. Amen. I'm looking forward to getting home. Aren't you? I'm looking forward to getting to that place. I'm looking forward to walking the street of gold. I'm looking forward to sitting, kneeling at the feet of Jesus. I mean, you work this whole life and and you, you do these things for the Lord so you can have something to give Him back. Revelation chapter number 21 The Bible tells us, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. 
And we could go through and see all of the glories of that, how it's 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles this way, how there's a street of gold, how the walls are of jasper, how the gates are of pure gold. Is that right? Is that right? Uh, pure, pure pearl, excuse me. How, how, how there is all those uh, one massive stone on that, uh, on that thing and how there's so many different things in that glories of that land. Uh, and friend, I just can't imagine that land. Uh, but one day it will become a visible reality. It will. And it spoke of a dwelling. It's told the children of Israel, hey, I know it's hard now. I know you're fixing to go into slavery. But it still didn't move. Even in slavery, it didn't move. And you can find over there a little bit farther, and I'm sorry that I did not find that verse. But in the book of Exodus, it tells us that Moses carried the bones of Joseph over. He carried the bones and guess where he headed? Exactly where he was told to go. Canaan land. Thank you. Exodus 13, 19. He carried those bones over. They crossed through the river Jordan there they were. I know Moses didn't make it, but Joshua let them over. Joshua let them right over. And as they were heading over, they set some stones to say, this is what God has brought us from. It's a memorial stone. It's a remembrance stone. It's telling us that God was faithful through it all. And can I just tell you tonight, the Lord is going to be faithful. And I tell you, we're not home yet. We're not home yet, but we are going very soon. Very soon, I believe, we're going to see the celestial city. Very soon, I believe, we're going to see the Savior. Very soon, I believe, we're going to be there. And I want to ask you, please, please, have your life right. As we conclude the final message of the life of Joseph, of such a great man of faith, here's the outline that I wrote down, just a quick thing. We've seen him in Genesis chapter 37 in a pastor. He was going to find his brethren, and his brethren said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. We see him in Genesis chapter number 37 in a pit. Because when they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh, they threw him in the pit. Joseph said, hey, peradventure, he would, uh, he, 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 we don't want him to die. We just want to throw him in the pit. They took the coat of colors off of him, took it back to the father, covered it in blood, said he died. And then in Genesis chapter number 38, we see him as a peculiar man. He's a contrast of Judah because in Genesis chapter 37, it's all about Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, it's all about Joseph. But in Genesis chapter 38, it says nothing about Joseph. He was a peculiar man. Righteousness to unrighteousness. Joseph and Judah. In Genesis chapter number 40, 39, we see him in Potiphar's house. He's in Potiphar's house because he's been sold as a slave there. 
And that's where he is. In Genesis chapter number 39, also we see him with Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife, we understand that she tried to seduce Joseph. And Joseph ran off as the peculiar man that he was. He ran off and without lust, as far as I'm concerned. It speaks nothing of that. And he finds himself back. And there we find him in prison. Genesis chapter number 39, at the end, Genesis chapter number 40, we find Joseph sitting in prison. In Genesis chapter number 40, the last verse of that chapter, the Bible says that the butler did not remember him. And so we find him in prison. And then we see Joseph just a little bit farther on in Genesis chapter number 41. We see where he's placed at Potiphar's, excuse me, at Pharaoh's house as the prime minister. Why? Because he interpreted the dream that Pharaoh had, that God had sent to him. And then from Genesis chapter number 41 to Genesis chapter number 49, we find Joseph in a place of prominence. We find Joseph in a place of power and a place of prestige in Egypt, in Goshen. He's in Egypt. Genesis chapter number 47, we find the reuniting of Joseph and Jacob. Genesis chapter number 44, um, 43, we find the first reuniting with him and his brethren. They don't know him, but he knows them. We find the testing, we find Reuben put in prison. Simeon put in prison, excuse me. In Genesis chapter number 43, we find it on that he's dealing with them. Simeon's in prison. The brethren are back at the house of Jacob, house of Israel, back in, back in, um, back in Israel, obviously. Back in, excuse me, back in the land that they had, the Canaan land, by the way. That's where they were raised. At. But anyways, we go on a little farther, and we find in Genesis chapter number 44, there's a golden cup. Silver cup, excuse me. And he puts it in there, and that's where it is. And Judah confesses the sins of all the brethren. Genesis chapter 45, Genesis chapter 46, Genesis chapter 47. We find the reunited. They love on each other. They're in good relationship. Genesis chapter 48, we find Jacob blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Joseph. And then at the end of Genesis chapter number 49... Where we find in Genesis chapter 49, we find, jo- we find Jacob blessing all the brethren. From Reuben to Benjamin. Then at the end of that, we find Jacob, Partridge, dying. But then, in Genesis chapter 50, we see Joseph in a box. In a coffin. What started out in the pasture still ended up in the pine box for alliteration's sake. Still ended up in the coffin. He went from the pit all the way to power. And I tell you the truth this evening. When God saved you, He pulled you out of the pit. He gave you a new song in your heart. That's what the Bible says. 
and He puts you in a place of power. You know, you're seated in heavenly places tonight. That's what the Bible says. But can I tell you what you already know? Everyone's life will end that way. The question is, will your life speak as His did? Will your death speak as His did? And will your coffin speak as loud as Joseph's did? I believe tonight we can ponder the thought that what will your life be? Joseph's life was a pure life. We know no recorded sin in the Bible. He's the only man other than Job and a few more that that had no sin recorded in the scriptures about him. Not one. He was the closest type to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we know. As we're concluding this this evening, I want you to think about that simple thought. Joseph said, Behold, I die. What will your life be when you die? Stand to your feet, please, tonight. It's a bittersweet night. We've spent 29 weeks in this. Learned a lot. Seen a lot of highs, seen a lot of lows. But I just want to ask you that simple question. Is your life what it should be? I know mine's not. No, mine's not. I'm going to pray. I'm not closing out. I just want to ask you, do you need to pray tonight? Are you saved? Have you spent your time with the Lord? Are you who you want to be or who He wants you to be? Are you, um, is your life really what it should be for the Lord? Because Joseph's was. Remember, his biggest faith moment was in his death. Man, what a what what a remembrance that was to show us those things that we could learn from his death through that coffin and the picture that it showed in those days. If you need to pray tonight, just come to the altar. Thank the Lord for this series. Thank the Lord for how he's helped us, whatever it may be. And just pray that I believe the Lord's got his will done in this series. And uh, I pray that you have your life exactly where the Lord wants you, wants you to be tonight. Lord, we love you. Pray, God, that you'd be with each person here tonight. Lord, each person, Lord, as we've learned through this series, God, we've learned much about Joseph, but Lord... In that life, we've learned much about you. God, help my life to be more like you on a daily and less like me, Lord. Lord, I want to be more like you every day, and though I falter and though I fail you. Lord, what a solemn moment it is tonight to be able to um, show us the remembrance that the coffin of, of, of Joseph displayed for the children of Israel and how your empty tomb, Lord, uh, completely displays so much for us. Lord, it displays life. It displays no death, Lord. It displays everlasting life, Lord. Lord, it displays the that we need to be diligent right now, Lord. We need to press on, Lord, and 
be encouraged and be steadfast and unmovable in, in, in our beliefs, Lord, and in everything. Lord, help us to give thanks in all things, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Lord, help us, God, to be more thankful for heaven. Lord, we knew we'd get heaven when we, when we, when we got saved. We knew we'd miss hell when we got saved. Well, Lord, we didn't know the help we'd get. Lord, we didn't know the hope we'd receive. Lord, we didn't know the, the many, many things that we received when we got saved, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your many blessings upon us. Lord, I thankful, I'm thankful, Lord, that the, it was the goodness of God that led us men to repent. Lord, it wasn't, it wasn't the wrath of God. It wasn't any of those things. But it was, the, it was your goodness, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Pray, God, that you would help each person here tonight, Lord, as they've heard this last concluding message of the life of Joseph, Lord. I'm so thankful for the hours and hours and hours, tens of hours that have been spent, Lord, on, on this series. Lord, how you've blessed it, how you've honored it in every day and every way. Lord, every week as we've come in here, Lord, Looking through that life, Lord, we've learned so much from the Word of God. Pray, Lord, that this would just be the beginning of those things. Pray, God, that you'd be with each heart tonight, each family represented. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you've got the help that you needed tonight. And uh, thank you for being here um, and listening to the 29 weeks of of the, the life of Joseph and how Joseph had um, displayed such faithfulness and such faith in the God of heaven. And uh, what a life we can learn from. Don't ever forget how, how Joseph stayed persistent. Can I give you a word of advice? And we'll, we'll head off that door in just a moment. I'll give you a word of advice. Please, 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 please. God honors faithfulness. God will always honor faithfulness. You be faithful to God, I promise you, He'll be faithful to you. As that verse I quoted this morning in our devotions, I woke up with that verse on my heart, and I'll quote it again. For it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to to repentance. It's the goodness of God And like I said this morning, if I were God, it would not be my goodness. I'd say, if you repent, then I'll be good to you. But that's not how God works. Aren't you glad about that? But rather, He shows us His goodness so that we will repent through His convicting power. God's good to us. He's so good to us. This was a sweet spirit tonight and such a solemn service. and, And so I think we... We'll, um, we'll say another prayer of thankfulness to God. And we'll go out the door tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for so much for coming on Wednesday night. And uh, thank you all so much for coming. We appreciate you all so much. Y'all, anytime. We love when, when you all come. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for another time to pray. Thank you for another time on this side of eternity to be able to preach your precious word. We ask you, God, to help us. Lord, as we go about our way tonight, 
Lord, we're thankful, God, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your love, your joy, your peace, your long-suffering, Lord, your gentleness, God, your meekness, Lord, your goodness. We thank you, God, for who you are to us. We ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus tonight, to help us along the way, help everybody keep them safe on the route home. And we ask you, dear God, to just be with us all. We thank you for the ears that have heard, the lives that have applied, and the God that was praised. We thank you for you and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening tonight.